Welcome to Make It Click, a podcast about training, enriching, and loving your canine best friend. I'm Liz Knight, certified professional dog trainer, here to share dog knowledge, share stories, and break down info for you. I'm here to help make it click. In this episode, we're tackling the topic of separation anxiety. I wanted to have this conversation with someone who has different insight into this topic than I do, so I was delighted to be able to chat with Jenna Tatey from Think Smart Dog Training in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, You might remember Jenna because she joined me for one of our first Make It Click episodes over on Patreon last year, which we recently released for public listening in celebration of one whole year of Make It Click, so you can check that out wherever you're listening now. And it was a lot of fun to get to sit down with her again to talk about something entirely different. In this episode, Jenna shares her story of supporting her dog Ruben through separation anxiety that appeared after some life changes and the onset of the pandemic. We talk about what behaviors led her to getting help for Ruben. We bust some myths about separation anxiety causes and treatment. And we also talk about how both dogs and humans need support when dealing with separation anxiety. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Hi, Jana. I'm so excited to have you back to chat with me again today. Thanks for coming back for another episode. I'm super stoked. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am also so excited. It's always a, a pleasure to chat with you, and getting to do it for a podcast that we don't get to share with other people is just extra exciting. Um, so for, for anyone that maybe doesn't know you, uh, how would you like to introduce yourself to everyone sure. that's listening? My name is Jenna Tady, and I'm a trainer and behavior consultant in Longmont, Colorado. I also make snuffle mats, um, and I share my home with my partner, my dog Ruben, my cat Maru, and my seven delightful chickens. They're not in the home, just to clarify, but they are <laughs> at the home. They are adjacent to the home. They have a, their yeah. own home, sort of like a, a detached in-laws apartment. Right. The ADU. Yeah, the accessory right. dwelling unit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I brief plug, we're going to talk about your uh, how to get in contact with you later. But if you don't already follow Jenna on Instagram at Think Smart Dog Training, you should because sometimes you get to see chickens in stories. So go do that. Um, <laughs> I'm here for the chicken content. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, I, I'm excited to chat today because we're chatting about a topic that I already know you are far more knowledgeable than I about, um, which is separation anxiety. And I say that because I, I'll i briefly chat in a, in a bit. I'm sure we'll share stories. Uh, there was a brief period where we thought that Buck may have some markers of separation anxiety. Um, don't, no longer think that's quite the case, but that's the extent of my like really big experience. I, for the most part, refer out separation anxiety cases for work. Um, so I'm really, really interested to hear about anything that you want to share. But um, I would love to kind of start with your, your separation anxiety story with Ruben. Yes. And I just, disclaimer, I do not take separation anxiety cases. There are people that are like have just this topic is so you it's like exploring the depths of the ocean because we're learning so much more about it and so i hope to share information from the guardian perspective 
And um, because yeah, I guess I could just I'll just talk and you'll you'll get to hear my whole story. But um, a little bit of background. I have never taken separation anxiety clients. Um, and if someone if I got an inquiry for a separation anxiety case, I would curl up in the fetal position for five minutes and then refer it to another trainer because it just it they are such intense cases. Um, and I was like, yeah, I never want to do separation anxiety. And then lo and behold, I ended up with a dog that developed separation anxiety. So it cut yeah, it snuck up on me, couldn't avoid it. <laughs> um and so I was sort of uh forced to take my own deep dive into this with the guidance of an incredible certified separation anxiety trainer. I'll give her a little little shameless plug here, Jackie Johnston of Believe in Your Dog. Uh, literally changed our lives. And um we'll I'll, I'll touch on that at a later point in the discussion. But yeah. Um So are there, I'm curious, so you you said that Ruben sort of developed separation anxiety. What were the things that you noticed about him that sort of started that path for you? Yeah, so Ruben had no qualms about being left alone for the first three years of his life. He was very comfortable being left alone. Um, and then when he was almost four, I moved from the East Coast to, from New Jersey, to Colorado. And the, after that move was the first time he ever had an instance where he was, where I left him alone and I came home and I went, oh, oh, he was not okay being left alone. So he was vocalizing. Um, when we came inside, he was panting. Um, and so that was the first time I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I always, I've generally had cameras on him when left alone and he's had, he showed no signs of distress. So that was the first time. Um, and, you know, so proceeded with caution, leaving him alone after that. Um, and I would say 90, after that one little incident, 98% of the time, no problems being left alone. Then his good, his dear, best cat friend, Tuna Melt, passed away. And that 98% went to probably 90%. And then, um, and then we noticed that he had a harder time at night, generally was okay during the day, had a, had a much harder time at night, but sort of be okay, okay, okay. And then at a certain point in, at night, he would sort of tip over into this sort of pacing, vocalizing, not okay. Um, and then the pandemic hit and we were home with him all the time. And I said, gee, I just have a hunch that he might not be as rock solid during the day <laughs> as he has been previously. And so I contacted uh, Jackie, who's a, a friend and colleague of mine, we work together at the Boulder Humane Society. And I said, I just have a sneaking suspicion that this has progressed. 
And so she did an assessment and sure enough, no more being left alone, could not tolerate it at any time for any duration. So here we, we, it was like, all right, we are here. Let's unexpectedly let's, let's figure this out. You know, I, I love that you mentioned too, that you, um, you had video previously, like you had been able to watch him on camera previously and known that he was comfortable and then being able to observe that change. Because I think a lot of times I absolutely did this when we first got Molly, we would leave her home and I would just assume she was going to be fine. Like I had no really distinct reason to think otherwise, but being able to refer to like video sort of proof that that was in fact the case and then something shifted, um, I imagine was really helpful. And then being able to pinpoint, you know, I'm sure what, what were a few acute instances that could have changed his feelings about things like a move and losing a beloved friend, which also shout out to the incredible naming of Tuna Melt and Ruben. Um, thank you. <laughs> you know, being able to point to to a couple of things that maybe impacted that. Um, I'm curious with like, after pandemic hit, were there things that he was were the things you were noticing in his behavior that sort of reinforced you that like, mm, maybe he might struggle more yeah. with this? Or was it just that sort of like internal hunch or both? No, well, it was like, it was a bit of a mix of both. And I should clarify that as I'm noticing, right, the percentage of his ability to be home alone is going down. My denial, like my like desire to de- like, no, it's, it's not separation anxiety. Please don't be separation anxiety is going up. Um, and so it got to a point during the pandemic where, you know, if I went outside to my car, he was very vigilant. I mean, he, he's a bit of a shadow in general. Um, but the, the body language of him following me to the door was very much, oof, you're distressed about this. This isn't just like, where are you going? Oh, what are we doing now? This is, oh, Fuzzleberry, you're leaving. Wow, that was on the fly. Trying to swear on the fly. Um, (laughs) So yeah, it it was you know observing his behavior and just noticing the things that previously to do with my departure that he had been pretty okay with, generally okay with. I was noticing a lot more distress, Um, and it it. Ruben is also, should be known, has also dealt with some generalized anxiety at certain points. Like he's, he's, you know, he's my little, he, he's like, oh, you're a behavior consultant. Well, you know, you can practice on me and you're welcome. So, Mom. Yeah. And so we, <laughs> we, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of me getting to know his individual signs that indicate stress. Um, I, I was, had a lot of practice where that might not be for the average person might not be as apparent. Um, it, you might not notice that and you might not know until you have departed and come home and things are destroyed or your dog is, is panting and the AC is on and you're not sure what's going on. Um, so don't expect to notice those subtle signs. I had the benefit of a lot of practice beforehand of, so don't yeah. be like, oh, I missed the signs. Like, it's okay. You don't. You don't have to. Yeah, I saw the signs and and denied them. 
<laughs> for my mental health for a while. I was going to say that um, also, it also does totally make sense to me though, of if we, if we're seeing these things in our dogs and it's during this sort of worldwide crisis where we're already dealing with other stressors, <laughs> you know, yeah. in general, coming to a realization that our dog might have some issues with separation can be hard enough and stack that on top of everything else happening at the time. You know, to me, it makes oh, total uh, sense that you might I be wasn't like stressed at all ever during that time. You're totally cool as fine. a cucumber. Very anxiety. Chill. Never. No, <laughs> I was just peace, you know, hanging out, relaxing, not worried about anything ever. So <laughs> I, I get to sit back and watch my dog stress out and yeah. It'll all be fine, right? This is one of those situations where it's like, I think if we tell ourselves that often enough, maybe we'll start to believe it. And then right. I remember that yeah. I am all worries all the time. But yeah, it's fine. Uh, before the pandemic, I, I was an anxious, yeah, I was an anxious person before. And yeah, the, the pandemic didn't help. So I know that's surprising. That's surprising. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a sort of a progression and then just sort of, you know, noticing, noticing his subtle changes in behavior. Um, and yeah, like where I used to live, he had to drive to the post office. So, you know, I'd be getting ready to go to the post office when it was safe. And uh, yeah, it was just very uh, stiffer body language. You know, his eyes were very wide, lots of worried wrinkles, things like that. Um, and I was just like, yeah, this isn't, that's not how it has been. So yeah, yeah. You're like something about this is different than a little more intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so I'm curious after, so after you connected with Jackie, what were the sorts of things that both she and you were looking for during that sort of assessment period? And, you know, obviously I wouldn't ask you to go through the entire assessment because that's, some of that's going to be individualized to, you know, a, an individual dog and their humans and their situation. But I would love to kind of hear about some of the things that you were looking for. Yeah. So our sort of dive into getting started on the behavior modification process was a little different because um, we also had an upcoming move. So previously we lived up in the mountains outside of civilization and we were getting ready to move back into civilization. And um, I knew that we weren't going to be able to really do a deep dive into getting started until after the move because, um, you know, Jackie recommend like getting him used to this one house is not necessarily going to transfer to the next. And so um, basically the assessment is we've got a camera, Jackie is watching the camera and we leave and she watches him and like we drive away and then she tells us when to drive back when she has seen enough. Um, and I, I believe her assessment process has changed since then. Like Jack, this is why I love Jackie is she, the more that uh, all these professionals are learning about separation anxiety, they're really adapting and changing, which is so beautiful. They're like, oh, this, we can do this better. And so I think her assessment process is a little bit different now. I don't want to speak for her, but um, at the time that was essentially it. And she was like, yeah, he is clearly showing signs of stress and, um, 
And then fast forward, we moved and that's when we dove right. I mean, we gave it a little bit of time for him to settle into the new place, but um, that's when we got started. And if you're not familiar, and I, I assume you're not because you're listening to this podcast, and if you are, then you already know this, but the behavior modification process for separation anxiety is um, very tedious. It's very data-driven. Um, it has given me a new appreciation for tracking data that I, again, someone mentions data tracking I'm curling up in the fetal position and disengaging <laughs> from the conversation. And this gave me such an appreciation for it in terms of helping him in this process. And which I have now, uh, you might get some Ruben snoring right now. I apologize, but um, actually Ruben is currently stretched across Jenna's lap. So yes. much that I can yeah. just see the tip of a tiny ear because he's very it's like cozy. a shark spin. Yes. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I, I, the data piece is really interesting. And I think particularly in Ruben's case, tracking data, there were some like big light bulbs that went off that were really, really helpful in terms of we're stuck. And, um, yeah, so that basically, uh, you start off by just, it, it's all um, desensitization. And so it's just learning where your dog can tolerate, which for some dogs is just getting up and walking to the door. Like that is very often a starting point. Um, and basically, you know, a lot of repetition and um, staying at durations that your dog can handle. So not pushing them past their sort of threshold. Um, so as you can imagine, it's a lot of in and out of your door for very brief periods of time for quite a while. Um, and when you say very brief periods of time, what did that look like for Ruben to start with? Yeah, I want to say I should, I if I was smart, I should have pulled up his, um, his spreadsheet. We'll go uh, best guess. Yes. So I would say for the first few weeks, we were not going over 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So really, really short. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in the beginning, there was a lot of, you know, we're collecting a lot of data. Um, and so in each individual dog that a separation anxiety trainer works with, different data is going to be important. Like Ruben's spreadsheet got longer and longer and longer. The the more we realized we had to, the more data we realized we had to track. And so, for example, for him, some of the really important things were um, uh, if he had exercised previously. And this one is really interesting for him um, because we noticed at a certain point that he struggled more after right after a walk. So if I took him for a walk. And he came home and I, you know, sort of let him decompress for 30 minutes. He still struggled more. And most people think, oh, if my dog is tired, they'll do better. But with Ruben, what we sort of hypothesized was that he was experiencing pain. And that, oh, that pain yeah. was exacerbating his distress when I left. Mm -hmm. Which is also so such a nice reminder, too, that like behavior 
can occur for a whole wide variety of reasons. And that, so that physical reasons. wellness, like, yes. so many reasons. And that that physical wellness piece is so important to it's do some huge. investigation around, even if we don't, yeah. even if, if we look at our dog and go, well, they don't seem like they're in pain. Like he, doing right. investigation around that can be so helpful and important. Yeah. Yeah. So there was no visible indication to me that he was experiencing pain. None. The only thing we saw, we noticed, the pattern that we saw was that he struggled more. And so we said, okay, let's, let's try pain meds. And so we did the pain meds and voila, we're getting over that hump. So clearly pain was a piece of the puzzle. Um, so other things, so for, and, and the environment, setting up the environment for Ruben to, to succeed. So antecedent arrangement was really important as well. We had to make sure um, he is reactive to things outside. So, and oftentimes he would react to something. He would be okay. He would be sleeping. He would react to something outside and then go, oh my God, I'm alone. And sort of have the spiral. So white noise machines, we buy, uh, buy stocks in those because we have a million in our house. Um, making sure he uh, didn't have visual access to things outside. And then he listens to the Conan O'Brien podcast when he's left alone. That seems to be his That's podcast an incredible of choice. choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had to make sure that that was on. Um, and then the the next piece of data that was really interesting, uh, we sort of hit, hit a plateau where I think we got up to maybe 15 minutes and we were noticing this pattern of behavior where he would be okay for the first first 15 minutes, chilled, very relaxed. And then he had this pattern of going to the back door. He would bark at the back door, which was, I'd never leave out the back door. So that was interesting. And then he would come to the front door, sit and distress vocalize. And so we were like, huh. And this is, again, every dog is an individual. And this is what I love about Jackie. She is willing to try. She It's not cookie cutter. She's like, we have to try so she said what if we can find him in the living room and I said great let's try it and we just sailed we just kept increasing duration increasing duration it really that that was such a huge piece of the puzzle it must have felt amazing too to go from a plateau to making more progress again yeah and so a lot of dogs need less confinement to feel better about being left alone but Ruben was an exception where too much wandering just he started to sort of spiral and so keeping him confined in the living room he hangs out on his what we call his stanket which is his stinky blankets on his ottoman and that's his happy place and he yeah that was like a big piece of the puzzle for us yeah so he can get up and move around the living room He's not like in a, he's not crated, um, but sort of keeping him in that area, he feels very comfortable and safe. Yeah. I wanted to thank you for bringing up the piece about, you know, training plans, not being cookie cutter and being willing to try stuff because I know I will speak only for myself when I very first started learning about separation anxiety training, um, I know differently now, but when I, the very first time I ever started learning about it, 
I, I saw it as very formulaic and very, you know, mm-hmm. okay, you work on some departure cues, those things like walking to the door, picking up your keys, putting on your shoes, and then you gradually increase your time. And then eventually your dog figures out that it's fine, but it's so much more nuanced than that. And then there's so yes. many more changes that have to happen for, yeah, and for individual so, dogs. I'm so glad you brought up the departure cue thing because uh, right for years, um, it was desensitize your dog, right, to the picking up your keys and put your shoes on and all those things. And when I worked with Jackie, she was like, um, we're not, we don't start with departure cues. And I was like, what? This is mind blowing. Um, she was like, yeah, so you're not, she's like, for a little while, you're not going to put your shoes on. Or if you do need your shoes, like if it's winter, you're going to put them on like an hour before and have them on and walk around your house. Um, same thing like with coats, whatever. And the reason for that is that if you desensitize your dog to the departure itself, the departure cues are sort of lumped into that package, right? Like if I no longer care about you departing, I don't give a hoot about your keys. And this, like when Jackie told me this, I was like, we're going to make a ton of progress and then we're going to introduce the keys and we're going to be back down to 10 seconds. Like, no way. And she was like, just just trust me. And I was like, okay, whatever you say. So so we progressed. I think I can't, but it's, it's been a while. But um, I think we progressed up to 15 minutes and then introduced picking up the keys. And I was like, get ready to go back to 30 seconds, Jackie. Like, here we go. I'm like, ha it's going to come back. Yeah. I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'm going to destroy my own progress just to show you. And I was, she's like, just pick them up like you normally would. Like, don't try to be quiet about it. Like, just whatever. Okay. So he's laying on his stanket on the ottoman. And I go to pick up the keys and I look at him and he doesn't move a muscle. And I was like, this is magic. Like it was unbelievable. He was just like, yeah, yeah. Grab your keys. Who cares? Um, And you know, it's so like, now that you've been saying that, I don't, that like reframe of if the dog isn't worried about you leaving, then they're not going to be worried about the things that signal that you're leaving. I don't know why I had never thought about it in that way before. <laughs> I but it was that like blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it was true. I could put my, we could we you know we started with keys and then we did shoes and he was just like yeah 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 get out. Do your <laughs> thing. Go do your thing human. I am fine here with my stanket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> worry about me. I'm good. <laughs> got my yeah. stanket and my Conan O'Brien and I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> so yeah and, and there's other things too right like because when when I started training separation, the way that we uh, approach separation anxiety was very different, right? Like um, leave a Kong or leave them with food, which uh, another mind blowing realization, it's reverse conditioning, right? The, the good thing is coming before the scary thing. And so good thing predicts scary thing. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoot, there's that Kong again. She must be leaving. So it just, super fascinating for me it was very interesting right how like very little thing but seemingly little things but actually pretty big changes i guess made so much sense and 
um, were so effective just in like all of these things that I thought we would have to do before I even walked out the door. It's just like, well, no, like that's, that's the piece he's worried about. He's not worried about keys. He's worried about that you get what the your keys, keys and then leave. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. The keys are the Kong. The keys are the. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Right. So um, it was really fascinating. It was um, just, and it was nice as a, as a professional to just sort of like let go and let someone else take the reins. Like that was really, it was just like, okay, whatever you say. I mean, I, I, you know, was annoying with the keys and telling her that there was no way that that was going to play out the way she was telling me it was going to play out. But um, it was, it was just really nice to just sort of sit back and be like, all right, you tell, you tell me. Cause this yeah. is, foreign territory for me and I imagine having a sort of like some very specific tasks to complete I know for my brain I like having specificity I like knowing exactly yeah. what's expected of me and yes. knowing yeah and, that and I that's what it is can fulfill that right yeah you have your your daily uh missions which are the you know you have um steps that you do every day and so it's it depends on your duration that you're working on how many steps there are but um you know it, it is it's just read the step do it you know go outside for two minutes and then return and uh it it like every little detail is filled out for you like uh, towards the end it was like pick up or uh turn on conan uh grab keys put on shoes like every like it was someone was just sort of like playwriting my life and i was like okay great i've got my stage directions uh, I can just about follow it. this just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and see um, so yeah it was great yeah well you mentioned the end and I want to to get there in a minute but I'm curious um sort of backing up to that beginning point so I know because because you were already a trainer and already sort of working in this world I'm sure you had some sense of what separation anxiety training was going to look like what it was going to require from you um but I think that it can still it can feel daunting for people if they're I mean a dealing with the fact that their dog is panicking when they're left alone and b then being like well how the heck am I going to actually be able to implement this training into my life. Um, and, you know, I imagine that I imagine that some aspects of doing it during the pandemic maybe were beneficial in that maybe you had less places to go anyways. <laughs> um, but I'm curious, did you still, was that something that you struggled with a little bit of, of the, the commitment level of it? Because I know that's oh, something I've heard from other people did I, too. Did I make it sound like it was a breeze? Let's dive <laughs> let's take a deep dive into my feelings during all of this. Um, as you'll recall, when I heard that someone else's dog had separation anxiety, I used to crawl into the fetal position. This was one of the most challenging experiences in dog ownership I have ever gone through. Um, it was... It was long. So just for context, Ruben's separation anxiety training took over a year. Um, and if you're not familiar, uh, during that time that you're working on separation anxiety, you have to, you cannot leave your dog alone. And so what that looked like for us was coordinating our schedules so that 
somebody was home with him at all times or um my mother-in-law saved the day for us a lot and she would stay with him um he did used to go to daycare once a week um so in general my life tends to revolve around Ruben um but this brought it to a level that i had never really anticipated um it was uh i gave up a lot of things that were sort of even though it was the pandemic like i moved to civilization so that i could be closer to my very few people are you weighing in ruben's weighing in quite a bit right now um <laughs> he has lots of uh, thoughts I like yeah it. lots of thoughts and but it, i was still very restricted on my ability to sort of do things i mean even like you know you take for granted like oh i'm just going to go for a walk um and yes sometimes i like to go for a walk without the dog don't crucify me um i do too spoiler alert yeah here. <laughs> so you know that we just everything had to be planned nothing was spontaneous it was like oh we want to go get lunch he's got to come or we need someone to watch him or you stay home and I will go get lunch. Like it was just, our life became very orchestrated. And um, if you know me, you know, that's really hard for me. I'm very much a like, if you ask me to do something ahead of time, I'll find 10 million reasons not to do it. <laughs> if you ask me spot on, like spur of the moment, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. Um, so that became a little bit challenging for me. Um, it was hard and it was hard to know that, you know, I felt bad for me, for us, but I felt bad for him because I, he's panicked, right? Like I get sad when I'm not with him cause I adore him and I, he's my Toto, he's my sidekick. Um, but I also can like, I have rational thought of like, well, I'll see him in an hour when I get home. Right. Like I'm talking right about now you have Whereas, that ability as a human right. to, to understand that that's what's happening. Yeah. Right. And for him to just, but it just, it was sad and it was hard. Um, also, uh, let me make it very clear that there are huge wins in separation anxiety training followed by huge lows. So you'll be like, whoo, we're smooth sailing. And next thing you know, we had one point where I think we had gotten up to like an hour departure and we had to slam back down to like 15 minutes. So it was like this mm. little glimpse of freedom and then nope. Um, and it, it can be, it's an emotional, all behavior modification is emotional. Um, of course, right. We're, we're dealing with living sentient beings. We're feeling for them. We're feeling for ourselves. Um, but this was a level that I had not experienced previously. And I, so I am like, if someone casually mentions they're working on separation anxiety, I like instantly become like the biggest cheerleader ever. I'm like, you can do this. You can do this. And you're like, okay, crazy. Like, thanks. <laughs> like, no, I'm telling you, you can, because I did it too. And it was yeah. really hard, but we yeah. made it through. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, it was over a year and um, a lot of ups and downs. And so uh, finding ways for anyone 
working through separation anxiety, finding ways to uh, support yourself are really important. Mm-hmm. Whether that's um, a support system of doggy sitters, which is like so huge and so helpful. Like I swear there should be like a dog nanny thing, like where people just like, cause all he needed was a warm body. Like he just, right. and he was still somewhat like, even, you know, he is very attached to me, um, which upsets my significant other a great deal, but it, he has been my dog. And um, so he is to this day, a little more distressed than relaxed. If I am gone, he can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Um so that was also a big piece of it for me of just like, he really needs me, but he, he did well with a warm body. And so, you know, if someone was willing to sit with him for an hour, amazing, like, oh my gosh, it was, it was a little like being a new mom. Not that I know what that's like, but I, what I imagine a new mom, like, <laughs> oh God, I got a break from the baby. Like, whew, right, right. Mommy time. Um, so and like, yeah, the, that simultaneously being so incredibly thrilled to have time with them and then also needing some sort of time where you can be sort of self-directed and not yeah. necessarily, uh, you know, caring for this wonderful, adorable, sentient living being that we have in our home that also sometimes we need a break from that too. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the this support piece is one that I think is so important to talk about. And I'm glad that we are because I imagine that going through the process of helping a dog who has separation anxiety, it can feel isolating because incredibly, yes. you are home, you're either home all the time, or you have to be very coordinated in your efforts to go out to do other things. Um, you know, you're, you're working through this process. And I'm, sure, given the way you speak about Jackie, this is the thing that happened for you. You have a trainer who's part of that support system who's going to be one of your cheerleaders, but, um, you know, feeling sort of isolated. And I've, I've heard it even with my own dogs who are at this point, pretty darn comfy being left home alone. There are times where we just won't go out because we're like, the dogs need us for something and people can judge that. And so it can feel isolating for for me and I'm not even, you know, going through the, <laughs> the separation right. uh, behavior modification program. Um, oh, so yeah, absolutely. I imagine that there's a lot of feelings around that. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of, this was another thing that sort of made me chuckle slash cry, but you know, <laughs> people, people would ask, Oh, does he, you know, does he destroy things in the home? And well, no, he, he doesn't. Well, what does he do? Oh, he sits on the couch and howls. And they're like, oh, well, you know, isn't that okay? And I'm like, well, no, because he thinks he's basically, like, left to die. Like, yeah. I, I don't mean to be, like, so macabre, but in his mind, he is a, a piece of survival, essentially, for him is is gone. And, um, you know, each – and I think that's important for people to realize, too. Like, if your dog is experiencing – experiencing distress when you're gone it can look very different depending Mm -hmm. on the dog and so if your dog isn't like taking out chunks of drywall like but you want to do something about it that's okay like don't let people be like oh my gosh would you just leave it like he's fine like don't let that 
weigh in on you because you know your individual dog and you want them to feel comfortable and, and right. So like Ruben sitting on the couch and howling, you know, maybe to the average person doesn't look horrific, but mm -hmm. um, knowing him, I know that he is in a, he is feeling a great deal of panic and distress to, right. to do that in order right. to be at that, exhibiting that behavior. And I think that's such an important point too, that it doesn't need to be the, the level that we tend to think about. I think if people say, oh, they have separation anxiety, it's, it doesn't have to be destruction. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, really frantic attempts at escaping. It doesn't have to be dogs that end up, you know, God forbid, injuring themselves because they're in right. such a panic. It doesn't have to be that to still be distressing. Right. for our right. dogs um and recognizing that like there there's an emotional component there's this uh, mental comfort component that is the piece that we're thinking about it's not just what's the behavior output that we're seeing and that's the only gauge um right you know as to whether or not we do an intervention yeah yeah and and you know catching it while it is just maybe a vocalization is going to be helpful. So don't be ashamed of wanting to help your dog ever for anything <laughs> across the board. Yeah. General PSA. Yeah. Yeah. And now the more you know. Um, yeah. So, and I, uh, I feel like I learned from him in this too, you know, I think as, as, as you know, and people who have maybe heard me talk or seen my posts, I'm very geared towards, um, I chose to bring this being into my home. He did not choose me. And so I talk a lot about the emotional distress that I experienced and what sort of brought me back to earth um, was he is completely reliant on me. Mm -hmm. He right, like he can't call his friend and be like, "Oh man, I, she's leaving me again, and it was hard, but I, I did okay." But man, she's that's just like this is like he he doesn't have that right. Like right. I can call my friend and be like, "Oh my, this week has been really challenging. He's been struggling. We haven't been making progress." He is like he needs me to do this work, and so. Yes, it was very hard for me, but I brought him home as a little stinker at six months. <laughs> and uh, I mean, uh, technically, he sort of ended up with me, but I chose to keep him when I when given the option. Um, but I, I, I feel very strongly about honoring that and I don't mean that to say that if you have a dog that is not good, a good fit for your home and everyone's quality of life including the dog sure. should be better by rehoming it that's not what I'm talking about but um you know it was just like okay dude you're you you I gotta do this like you need me to do this and I'm gonna do it so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a good cry with Jackie during our assessment <laughs> I'm gonna get Listen, it all sometimes out. we just need a good cry yep and then, and then I'm gonna rally and and get back in um <laughs> and I you know I've always sort of had that in my mindset with him as if you've listened to my last podcast 
with you, I got him shortly after that trip to Germany that was really eye-opening for me. And so that's sort of been my framework of this dog, having this dog in my life and Mm -hmm. did this drive at home of like, yes, I have to change my life drastically for you. I would love to take this opportunity to let people know that with our separation anxiety journey, I picked my battle in that Mm -hmm. we, I can leave him for, I generally don't have a need to leave him for more than four hours, but we got up to the four hour mark and I was like, great. At nighttime, he still cannot be left alone. And I said, I, I discussed it with my partner and we said, that's okay. We are so happy to have the ability to do stuff during the day that we will just get a sitter at night if we need to, because he, he has done so much. He's made such incredible progress. We've done such great work. And you know, the I'm people, I am grandma Gertie. I like to go to bed around eight or nine. (laughs) Love that about you. (laughs) In winter, it might be a little earlier because it gets darker early. So that was less important to us. Mm-hmm. And so we prioritized the daytime and we graduated, we reached our daytime goal and we have the ability to do the nighttime thing. Like we could do the process again at night because it is just such a different context for him, but we would rather use management. And so also give yourself that grace. Like you don't have to do it all. If there are pieces, just do what you need to do and that's okay. Um, And we just choose not to leave him alone at night. We get a sitter. So spoiler alert, everyone. I'm not a perfect trainer. (laughs) I'm not striving for for perfection. We just got done what we needed to get done. Well, and I also think that perfection is nuanced too. Like what, what works perfectly well for your life may not work perfectly well for someone else. And that may not work perfectly self perfectly well for a third party. And that may not work perfectly well for a fourth person. You know what I mean? So I, I think that also speaks to, again, the importance of having, having training programs and having expectations and having, um, sort of alterations that we can make that are, nuanced and that are not cookie cutter. Um, Because, you know, if say you're someone who is anticipating you're going to be starting a job where you have to be out of the house for seven or eight hours a day, and there are times where you can't get someone to stay with your dog for part of that, that might mean that your goal is going to look different from someone who primarily works from home. And the their most important thing is being able to, you know, go out to a brewery for an afternoon. Um, you know, like it's, it, it can look different for different people. And that's also totally okay. You don't have to approach separation anxiety training with the goal being that you can leave your dog home alone for 12 hours. Also, let's be honest, they're going to have to pee. So right, right. That's, a, that's sort of the people will be like, well, how long? And I'm like, you know, for, I mean, we could probably do five, but I'm like, my personal life, there's probably not any instance where I need five out. Like it's just, not a need he probably could do it during the day probably no I, I think we have probably done a five hour and he's been okay mm-hmm. five hour departure right he's been great um and when I say great like I want you to picture like a dog that has melted into the couch like <laughs> he's very comfortable he and the couch and have intense. become one <laughs> yes 
and Conan is woo is is serenading him and yeah. Um and so I I share that. I used to be embarrassed to share that, just be like, oh don't p- tell people he can't be left alone. And I'm like, well, we don't that's not a need of ours, right? Like so we just adapt. Again, my mother-in-law is great. He she comes and I mean the reality is, right, I'm not asking anyone to do anything but sit with this dog. And who wouldn't want to sit in a cloud of Frenchie farts for a few hours <laughs> at night snuggling with this little being? I mean, come on. I mean, how um, could you not? How could you not? I mean, I should just put that on a flyer. That's perfect. Just hang it around town. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's where my anxiety comes up, I guess. Well, I, that's I mean, fair. I don't want anyone. No, you I'm the same apply. way. I'm, I'm I'm very particular about uh, I'm like the, the people that watch my dogs. I'm like, oh, so tell me, tell me about yourself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's it it ain't it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. It ain't easy. Um, support systems are really important, and sort of picking prioritizing what your needs are, I would say, are yeah. really important aspects of it. Yeah. And I will say too that, you know, because I know you were mentioning that like you felt a little embarrassed about saying, well, it's only four hours. Also, four hours is exponentially more than you could have left him two years ago. Right. Right. So, and if, if you are someone who has a dog that panics at 10 seconds and you get to the point where they can be alone for 15 minutes, that is exponentially more (laughs) than where you started. Right. So, um, you know, I think it, and again, I'm speaking as someone who has not gone through this training protocol myself. (laughs) Um, but I would imagine that it can be helpful to sort of look at your data in that sense of looking at where you started and where you are are going and where you are at. Um, yeah. As, yeah. as something to help kind of keep you going as you're working through this thing that can be hard at times. Oh, yeah. Jackie used to throw that graph in my face and be like, look what you've done. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's such such a deeper appreciation for data tracking. And it was just so, it was mind-blowing. I, I'm trying to remember, we, would, we were tracking his, um, Ruben used to have pretty regular GI issues. So we tracked that in terms of how that impacted his ability to be left alone. Mm. Um, Like I mentioned before, the exercise. um, And again, exercise, it was sort of like, oh, did he get, we initially were like, oh, did he get enough? But then it revealed such an important piece of information that we weren't necessarily looking for, but that we noticed like, oh, this isn't about enough. This isn't about a tired dog. This isn't about a mentally stimulated dog. This is a dog that he's a French bulldog. He is built to be in pain. Like that's the sad mm-hmm. fact of the matter is, is that he is not built like a normal dog. And so probably experiences pain more than the average dog would. And that's a big piece of things for him. And he's again, like you would look at him and be like, Oh my God, he's just ripping around and feeling great. But that, you know, dogs are, excellent at not showing when they are in pain that's a survival thing that's just that's good old genetics at play don't uh totally don't show that you're uh vulnerable um so yeah it was just interesting also i worth mentioning he is also on he was uh he's on behavioral medication and that was a big piece as well of our 
separation anxiety journey. Mm. Is that something that you noticed um, after you started working on it or was it medication that he was already on before? So we had (laughs) Ruben's medication story is interesting. We had, he's been on a journey. um, Yeah. Ruben's a little complex in that we had some GI gastrointestinal stuff that uh, really impacted his behavior, but also was this ongoing unsolvable puzzle as to what was going on and how mm. to resolve it. And knock on wood, we have gotten to a point where it is 99% better. Um, thank goodness. Uh, but for a while there we were, it was a little touch and go with meds for his, and it was a chicken and the egg thing too, of like, is the Mm. anxiety upsetting his stomach or is the upset stomach contributing to his anxiety? It was, that's like a whole other podcast, but, um, long story short is we did not have meds on board, uh, to begin with because previously he had been on meds that had exacerbated his stomach issues and then we did a uh, consult with a veterinary behaviorist who suggested a, a different medication than when he had he had been on before. That one really agreed with him, and that did indeed help us tremendously. So that combined with the pain medication did wonders for him. Yeah, yeah. And again, like there's so many little little nuggets here where I'm like, oh, this again speaks to the complexity and the need to look at it and in, in, through the lens of the, an individual dog and their individual health needs and yeah. <laughs> other physical needs and emotional needs and mental needs, all of that, that whole picture. Um, yes. Which I just find fascinating, endlessly yeah. fascinating. <laughs> I agree. And I feel like separation, I mean, with all behavior, right. But with separation anxiety, you have to look at so much like, yeah, for Ruben, it was health and medical. It was environment and antecedent arrangement and setting up the environment in a very specific way. And also the trip, like it was, it was like holistic. I know that word gets used for like supplements and stuff, but meaning like we looked at everything and it was all a piece of this process. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's so so involved. <laughs> it's so involved. It is. And again, like, it's funny if people are listening to this, I, I, there's a, I just want to like send me an email so I can cheerlead you. Like I, I'm just so it's, it's a lot. Um, and, uh, I feel it's also worth sharing that after going through this, I was like, Oh, I should really focus on separation anxiety training. And I went so far as to get a certification and I was just like, you know what? I did this with my dog and it was a lot and I would love to help others, but I, I, I'm so, uh, I have so much respect and admiration for um, the trainers that specialize in this. And I'm like, you know what? This is your bread and butter. My bread and butter looks a little different than yours. And so I'm going to leave it to you guys. I'm so glad I gained this knowledge through the process and also through taking a course. But you know what? You got you guys keep on fighting the good fight because and, oh, and yeah. I'm here to cheerlead. Totally, totally. And yeah, major shout out to uh, the trainers that I know that focus solely on separation anxiety because it's, you know, it. it I get the sense that it's a, a team approach in that 
the the guardians are doing a lot of work the they're doing a lot of sort of heavy lifting at home the consultants are doing a lot of work of watching dogs in their home alone tracking data you know writing missions adjusting training plans call out you know all of that um so major 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 shout out to the people that do that um which actually leads me to you know if if because I know we both refer out separation anxiety cases yes. now. Um, <laughs> Don't contact us. <laughs> but if you do, we can point you in the right direction. Yeah. No, contact um, us so we can, we can <laughs> slingshot you to someone else. We'll send you to some good people. Um, but if you if you have somebody that reaches out to you or if someone's asking about separation anxiety, what, what general direction do you send them in? Um, so I recommend CSAT certified separation anxiety trainers. Um, I, Melena Demartini has done so much work on this. And from when I started working with Jackie, I shadowed Jackie a little bit with some of her clients after I completed my thing and I was exploring this idea, which was good because I was like, wow, I, yeah, this is all you. Um, But (laughs) from when I started working with Jackie to when I started shadowing her, so much had changed in terms of like, in how much progress they had made in terms of the systems that they were using and the data that they were tracking and how they were tracking that data and what they were really Mm. focusing on. And I was like, damn, like, this is the real deal. Um, it's so, I mean, everything we do is scientific, but there, it like took it to another whole other level that was just mind blowing to me. Um, that's amazing. And so that's sort of my sort of started, started a CSAT and see if you can find somebody with that certification um, just because, and there are other certifications too. The one I did was not CSAT um, and it was really beneficial. Um, and, and fantastic and great. And I gained great knowledge, but what I'm seeing the CSATs doing or about sort of level of what they're doing is like, it's, it's incredible. It's like, I could just like sit there with my head, just like with my jaw eyes. dropped at like their, <laughs> yeah. At their like spreadsheets. I'm just like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to say too, for if you reach out, if you ever reach out to a trainer, not you, Jenna, but people listening, um, or me, <laughs> or, this or is probably good advice for me too. <laughs> I was going to say if if you know if you reach out to a trainer because you're concerned about separation anxiety and they refer you to someone else who is a specialist, that is a very good thing. Yes. Um. You know, don't feel like oh, it's somebody that's trying to blow me off and trying to refer me out. I. I can speak for myself on this. If I'm referring you to a specialist, that is a very good thing because it means that I do not feel I'm going to be able to help you in the way that you would most benefit from. And I want to give you someone who can do that. Um, yeah. And there are, there are, there are some sep- people that specialize in separation anxiety that also do other stuff, which like, okay, you have superhuman super yes. yes i'm like <laughs> i'm pretty sure like i'm like incredible like there's um um yeah 
So there are there there are those, and they are incredible. And I'm not sure how you do it. I I bow down to you. Um, but totally forgot where I was going with this. Sorry. <laughs> no uh, worries. <laughs> but having someone who many of the of the separation anxiety trainers it is what they do. It's all like Jackie. It's all that she does, and so. Um, you're really getting a fine tuned experience there, um, which is, it, it's, I can't think of a good analogy off the top of my head, which I'm generally pretty good at. So I'm a little disappointed in myself. <laughs> um, but it's, it's sort of like going to see a general practitioner versus right. a type of doctor that does something special. Like I, a, yeah. a cardiologist. Yes. Maybe. A cardiologist. I was gonna go podiatrist, but I'm not sure. That's I mean, I think foot. it still counts. That's a foot, yeah, a special specialty. Specialty, totally. Sorry, I was gonna say I have a dermatologist. A dermatologist, right? Yeah. All about skin. So your right. general practitioner probably knows something about skin, but you're and then they go, "Hi, go see this person that knows more." Right. And I go, "Great, right. thank you." <laughs> also, caveat again: there are people who do do it all, and again, you're like Liz Lemoning dog training which is incredible you can do it all you can have it all um i again bow down to you so yeah that's that's uh i like to picture uh liz and i like a pinball machine like someone like the little (laughs) ball is like a separation anxiety (laughs) inquiry and we're like pew and just like send it off somewhere else (laughs) as fast as we can yeah, we're we're meant to be one of those little flappers. We're trying yeah, to get you down to the actual end. We goal. want you in that little jackpot hole. Right, just, exactly. You, you fit perfectly, and it's cozy, and lots of lights are going, and lots of ding donging and bing monging. And I need yeah. you to know, I now because this is how my brain works. I now would pay money for someone to create a pinball machine where all the little flaps have pictures of our faces. And then the oh ball that God. comes down is has a face of a dog printed on it. And we just. Um, so if you heard our last podcast, we were raising money to travel the world <laughs> to look at dogs. And uh, this, I think this podcast, we're asking for funds to create this pinball machine. This pinball machine. Right. Yeah. We so... have very uh, attainable. Yeah. And very professional uh, fundraising goals. Extremely. So just, you know, send us your money and we'll um, we'll let you play the pinball machine. That's true. That's We're going to turn this into a traveling. Perk. We're going to turn this into a traveling act. Um, oh, perfect. Oh, that's my That's going to come with us. The pinball machine yeah. is going to come with us on our travels. Brilliant. I hadn't Great. thought of that. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. We have our future plan for life. So we're... Yeah. We're pretty thank much you, everyone. I, I imagine I, I know you're just sending money as you're listening to this. So thank you in advance for that. <laughs> just send money out into the ether that just says for pinball machine. It'll yeah. find its way to us. Jenna right. and Liz. Right. To Jenna and they Liz know where we are. For pinball machine. <laughs> They'll find us. Perfect. No notes. Uh, yeah. I fully support all of this. <laughs> Well, I I would love, I mean, I, I could just chat with you about all the things all the time, um, but I would love to kind of end on if you have any sort of pieces of advice that immediately spring to mind um, for pet guardians who are concerned that their dog might have some, some separation anxiety feels. Yes. 
Okay. The internet is rife with terrifying information, as per usual, in general, across the board. Um, So, you know, when your neighbor tells you to cry it out, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, When your neighbor says to exercise your dog more, don't, that that's not going to cure it. Like, don't, don't do that. Um, Don't withhold affection from your dog, please. Your dog loves you and needs you. And that's why they're just so darn sad when you leave. So don't, don't change that. Keep loving on your dog. Keep bonding with them. Be, be awesome. Be their best friend. Don't, Loving don't on them that. less is not going to make them less worried no. about you leaving. Uh, yeah, don't don't uh, don't do that. Um, the other thing I think is worth mentioning. I talked about working with a CSAT trainer. Sometimes that's not uh, for monetary reasons or uh, time reasons. That's not doable. That's okay. Um, uh, Milena De Martini. I hope I'm saying her name right. I feel like I keep botching it. I believe you are. Slippering, slipping over it. But anyway, (laughs) um, if you go to her website, which Liz will link in the show notes. Oh, thank goodness. Yes, I will. (laughs) Putting that foot pair on the spot there. Um, I believe she has some self-guided programs, as does Julie Naismith. They both have resources for those that may not be able to work with a trainer. And so I encourage you to explore those at a bare minimum. If you are able to work with a, a certified uh, separation anxiety trainer, I highly recommend it. And um, please just know that it's it is hard. It can take time depending on your dog, but it is worth it. And um, you, I should. I think I'm just going to create like an image of myself with pom poms. That if you're working with your dog on separation anxiety, just like a gif. I just need like a gif of me, like raw, raw, like cheering you on. Like, if you I need fully support, support this, yeah, if you just need someone to be like, I've been there. I know it's hard, and you can do this. Like, I always tell people to email me randomly, and I and no one does, and I try not to get hurt feelings. But seriously, <laughs> I'm happy to just talk with people. And if you need an ear, a sympathetic ear, about your separation anxiety journey, like, don't be shy. I'm happy to do that. Um, I love that. Um, also, we're going to need a printable version of that gift to put on the back of the pinball machine, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, that's going to be one of the like blinking lights. Oh, perfect. Like, I'll be in there like waving my arms. Amazing. Right? See, this uh, d- the design process is happening. Y'all, yeah. this is what creativity looks like when Jenna and I hang out. Um, yeah. <laughs> these are the ideas we come up what with. What else can we make? <laughs> Well, on the topic of people emailing you, uh, everyone please email Jenna. Maybe not everyone, but like that might be a little. No, everyone. If you're inundated with everyone on the planet. But (laughs) uh, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you or to follow the the happenings of Jenna? Sure. You can. And I mean this. You can email me. My inbox is open to everyone at hello at thinksmartdog.com. That's not top secret information. Again, like if you're like, oh, I just want to be a geek and nerd out about behavior, send me an email. Um, And then you can follow me on Instagram. And I always forget my handle, but I'm pretty sure it's Think Smart Dog Training. Yes, I did it. Uh, Excellent. Liz is not nailed it. Approval. Whoo. And that's the best way to sort of be in my universe. Yeah. And I will say, uh, 
sending Jenna messages about like nerdy dog stuff is what resulted in us being friends. So uh highly That's recommend right. it as a yeah, see, if you want to be my getting friends. to know people. <laughs> also I'm an introvert, so don't be offended if I if I peter out a little bit. <laughs> Listen, it can ebb and flow. That's suits. totally yeah. fine. But you know, in person I'm a little less energetic. But on email I can do that all day. Zoom, I'm great. <laughs> Heck yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, I will, yeah, I'll link all of that in the show notes for people. Don't worry, I got you with uh show note notations. Whew, thanks. So if, <laughs> if really people have questions, no worries. Uh I am I'm prepared for that. Um that's one thing I can be prepared to do is to to note jot down stuff to put in the show notes. Um so I'll pop in links for your stuff and for uh, separation anxiety info that is reputable if people want access yes. to that. Um, and thank you so much for a coming on and chatting with me again and for sharing Ruben's story and for sharing sort of like the, some of the feelings behind it, because I think it's so important that we acknowledge not only the the training piece of it, but how it affects us as humans too. So thank you. I very genuinely appreciate it. Well, I am so happy I could do that. And Ruben and I could share our story together. I'm so glad he weighed in. And um, yeah, anytime. I'm I, uh, happy to share my emotions about things and <laughs> my own personal experience. And it was, uh, you know, I have to say it was fun to speak from the uh, guardian side. Yeah, it's Rather like a whole than, other world, right? It's like, a, it's like I put on a, a different, like a costume. Like a different, like a jazzy costume. Took off I my nerd like, costume. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you have sparkles underneath or something. I don't know. If oh, there's, oh, there's sequins for sure. Oh, yeah. perfect. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jenna. It's always a delight. Thank you, Liz. We hope you enjoyed this episode. New Make It Click episodes are released once a month on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now, so make sure to hit subscribe to find out when new episodes drop. If you're enjoying our chat so far, I would love it if you would consider joining us on Patreon. Patreon members receive exclusive access to additional podcast episodes, live office hours with me, a certified dog trainer, and are invited to fun and educational community events like enrichment creation gatherings and webinars. You can learn more about supporting the podcast and joining the Make It Click Club community at patreon.com slash makeitclick. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at makeitclick.club for episode updates and training info. You can also find me, Liz, on my training business account on Instagram at rover rehab nj. Thanks for listening.